Welcome to Around the Writer's Table, a podcast focusing on the crossroads of creativity, craft, and conscious living for writers of all ages and backgrounds. Your hosts are Gina, Melody, and Kim Boo, three close friends and women of a certain age who bring to the table their eclectic backgrounds and unique perspectives on the trials, tribulations, and the joys of writing. So pull up a chair and get comfortable here around the writer's table. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Around the Writer's Table. I'm Gina Hogan-Edwards. I am an editor, a creativity coach, a retreat leader, and I am passionate about supporting women in finding their voices. I'm here with my co-hosts today, and I'm going to allow each of them to introduce themselves. Melody, would you like to go first? Hi, I'm Melody, a scout, and I help my clients find their sense of home by restoring balance and harmony to their lives through plant spirit medicine and my book, Soul of the Seasons. And I am Kimbu York. I'm a genre novelist and former project manager. I help writers create holistic productivity in their creative lives. Thank you, ladies. It is wonderful to be here as always. I love these conversations that we're having. And in the last few episodes, we have been talking about uh, what I was formerly calling the creative cycle, which now we're going to refer to as the creativity quest because we don't experience the process of creativity in any sort of linear or sequential fashion. So thank you for being here. We're, we're going to dive in today to sort of a second part in a way or a companion discussion about the stage of emulating and mirroring and how that relates to the seasons. So briefly, emulating and mirroring is a very much a, a learning stage, muscle building stage, where we are absorbing our skills and learning as much as we can about the process of writing by working with our mentors and by identifying in the masters and those writers that we admire the characteristics that we know that we would like to learn how to do well. So Melody, tell us, if you think about that short definition that I just gave you, which season do you feel correlates with that the best? First season that popped into my head regarding this phase of the creativity quest is the season of spring and maybe even late spring. Spring is when all those new ideas are popping off onto the page. It's our first draft. We're excited. We're getting uh, our story out on the page. And we're talking about, you know, finding our voice in this. We had a great discussion about that in our last episode. And it is the point in time where we have a real need for structure and support as we get ready to move into the next phase, the summer phase, and that's the maturation process. And during this time, we've talked about getting stuck in this cycle, and I would love to hear some uh, experiences both of you two have on what it was like to get 
maybe stuck in this phase or a tendency to get stuck in this phase. To me, it's new, shiny, it's fun. I don't put much for limits on what I'm writing during this time. If it goes off into the ozone, don't care that much, let it go sort of thing. So Kimbu, can you tell me anything a little bit about what it looked like for you to get stuck or cycle around in this phase of the creative process? I, I, you know, it's interesting because when you talk about um, the issue of mirroring and emulating, and in the last episode, we talked about how uh, we do that to learn techniques and learn uh, ways that other writers do things. And I did talk about getting stuck when I was uh, so-called studying Mark Twain and then ended up writing like Mark Twain. Um, and so that's one example of it. But when you were talking just now, thinking about it, I think for me, in a, in a more negative way, and this gets back to, gosh, I don't know how many authors I've read, but the latest one's definitely Victoria Goddard, which I mentioned in the last episode as well. But I look at an author who's doing something I want to be able to do, and I get stuck because uh, I don't know, lack of vision, like a lack of personal confidence, lack of, of the ability to see my way through learning how to do that thing and mastering it and making it my own voice. And that has certainly, and we can call that imposter syndrome, we can call that perfectionism. Um, but oftentimes it is a lot of comparisonitis in the mm -hmm. sense of, you know, I have these great ideas, I have these things that I want to be working on, then I look at what other people are doing. And instead of emulating and marrying and learning from them, I get stuck in the idea that I'll never be able to do something that well. So um, I, I'm, you know, there's a lot of levels to that. But that was something I was thinking of about as you were talking, like, what is my definition of stuck in this phase? And that would, that would be it. I don't know. I know that you are not alone. <laughs> no, you are definitely not alone. And I, I love hearing that because, you know, I know comparisonitis has been a big, a big thing for me too. And I think that that can, that in itself can actually keep me in the stuck in the learning stage. So I keep thinking, okay, if I just read you know, one more novel by Eudora Welty or, you know, <laughs> one more Joan Didion memoir, then I can use language the way that they do, you know? And so it's really easy then to sort of use the excuse, if you will, of learning to sort of say, stay in this stage. Um, I'm curious though, Kimbu, based on the description that you just gave, we talked about in the last episode about how writers specifically are not good at using this emulating and mirroring as a purposeful practice to get better at their writing in the same way that say painters would in terms of uh, looking at the different characteristics that a specific artist uses, the way they use color, the way they use light, uh, brush strokes and those kinds of things for a painter to find their own style. We don't do that with writing. And I wonder if we might be, and this is a question for both of us, actually, I wonder if we might be less prone to comparisonitis if we had done some of that sort of deliberate practice when we were first learning how to write. Ooh. Ooh. Mm. Ah, I think... I think you're right. 
Like, I think if I had had a more focused, well, you know, back to the Mark Twain episode, uh, issue. And if you didn't listen to the last episode, I read a lot of Mark Twain under the guise of studying Mark Twain. And what I ended up doing is internalizing Mark Twain and writing like Mark Twain instead of my own voice. But even at that point, I wasn't really cognizant of trying to like break down, like what is the sentence structure? What are the words that he's using? What are, what, what is, what is the beats? What is the style? Um, and I think maybe if I had been more uh, cognizant, cognizant of that and more focused on learning than just trying to, you know, randomly absorb the essence of the writer, uh, I'd probably have walked away with much better understanding of what's going on. I, I think that's fascinating and I would love, love to see some writing teachers start incorporating some of that a little bit more because yeah, I think, you know, if you know how the, if you know how the pie is made or the cake is made or whatever, you know, you're not as, as upset about the fact of making your own. Cause you're like, yeah, I know, mm -hmm. I know what it took to make that. Right. Like I can, I can do that. It won't look the same, but it'll be my cake made with the same type of, stuff <laughs> like a terrible analogy but you get my point sounds like a great exercise for a writer's retreat oh, yeah i think there are there are definitely there are definitely you know courses and professors who will take like a you know a work of say eudora welty and and sort of break it down and analyze it but what i don't see happening is that deliberate okay now let's practice that you know, whatever that particular thing is that they're studying, whatever characteristic that they're studying, as opposed to just observing it and recognizing it in another writer's piece, actually attempting to do that thing. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, that That's reminds me of a comment. I wish I could remember where I'd heard it, but it was talking about uh, visual arts more. And they were talking about certain artists broke the rules, so to speak. And one of the instructors would often say, you need to learn the rules before you break them, which yep. landed, landed with me. Because oh, yeah. uh, mm -hmm. being a lifelong pantser, you know, <laughs> I, I scoff at rules um, sort of thing. That seems to me I've come back to how valuable that is to know the structure to know that's why in the season of spring structure and form and planning are so important not to have uh, such a close uh, grip on what you're doing that your creativity isn't coming out but have something you can build and when you move into the season of summer where you're going to you know have to push the sleeves up and do the hard work you can rely on that it is a comforting place to have that structure mm -hmm. to have your vision clearly in mind because then you can hold up what you're doing it comes much easier because you hold up what you're doing towards your framework, towards your vision, then it makes the choices mm. on what to include, not to include, where do my characters go, becomes much easier because you're working within that structure. And in the past, mm. structure and discipline have been dirty words. 
they seem not to mix <laughs> with the creativity process. So well, I'm, I think, no, I'm yeah. going to interrupt there because yeah. I think that's an important point to make. Like a lot mm-hmm. of times in our culture and society, we're told, you know, creativity is freedom of expression and freedom. And to bring up the analogy again of classical artists studying the old masters, you know, there's a, there's a certain uh, approach to art, which is that the restrictions you have on a project actually help you be more creative because you have to start thinking outside the box. Mm-hmm. And, and so we think of, you know, st- strictures in a lot of people think, oh, I have to have an outline. I have to get up and write for an hour every morning. I have to write 500 words a day. I have to, and they put all these other types of s- structure on it, thinking that's what it means to have structure when what we're talking about is understanding your own internal structure as an artist, understanding what makes you creative, understanding how to apply the rules that you've learned or to break the rules that you've learned in a way that informs your own creativity. Sorry to go off on a tangent on that, but it's just like as, as, as somebody who works in the productivity sphere, I hear too much, you know, oh, you just need to create some structure. And yeah, you do, but you have to do it in a way that fits your, like you were saying, uh, Melody, your vision and your goals. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it brings to mind uh, a subject that I can pontificate on endlessly. <laughs> Thanks for the warning. (laughs) (laughs) When people talk about freedom of speech and, you know, social media platforms and the right to say whatever they want, uh, whenever they want, however they want. However, if you do not have some basic framework of decency and Mm. kindness you know, your vision of who and what you want to be, as well as the vision of what you, who and what you want your, your group to be. We can see the results of that when you take all Mm -hmm. the rails off and Mm -hmm. people mistake the freedom of speech as a freedom of consequence. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the same goes, I think, with the writing and creative process. You can have the freedom to write and do and express however you want and copy or not copy and break all the rules. Um, but there are consequences to doing that. And, and that we, don't, we don't live in a, valcu- a vacuum. Yeah. You know? yeah. And it shows up in your work as well. The things not hanging together well and things like wandering about the page and about <laughs> life and the ionosphere so yeah uh gina can you tell me a little bit of if you've had any experience of working with that in in the editor editing phase of the process what you find when that comes into mind often i will have a writer come to me especially if they are a new writer with a piece that holds incredible potential in terms of maybe, you know, the kind of story that it is. Maybe, you know, it's got a really strong plot or some really interesting characters. Uh, and they may be all over the place in terms of something like, and of course I'm speaking particularly right now fiction, but they may be all over the place in terms, and this is just one example, but a point of view. And this goes right back to what you were saying, Melody, Mm -hmm. of 
you have to know the rules in order to break the rules. And the idea that in our culture we don't uh, think that there is a relationship between creativity and sort of giving ourselves some boundaries or some structure when I think it is exactly the opposite. You know, when we pick a genre to write in, that's giving ourselves some boundaries. When we acknowledge that we don't live in a vacuum and that we have to, in some way, match the reader's expectations of what that genre is about, then that creates another boundary for us. And it is, it is actually freeing to know that we don't have to worry about anything outside of that boundary if we have chosen to write to a particular audience or in a particular genre or in a particular way. And mm-hmm. it, related to what you said, Kimbu, about the structure actually gives us more freedom mm-hmm. because, you know, the great thing about being a creative person is that it's limitless and we can write about anything, especially if we're writing fiction, we can write about absolutely anything that we want to write about. But that's also the thing that shuts a lot of people down because they have too many choices to make. Mm-hmm. And so this is kind of getting yeah. us off of the idea of of emulating and mirroring and spring. But I think there's a lot of, of you know, relationships with you know, the whole process of writing. But, you know, I think creating some structure for ourselves, knowing, you know, this is the kind of style that I want to write in, or this is the, this is the kind of methods that I want to use to characterize the people in my story, or this is, these are some of the tools that I want to use when developing a setting in my story, we discover those things by looking toward the writing masters. And if we deliberately practice what they have done and then use that in a way that is uniquely our own, then that's when we start to find our voice and to create our own internal boundaries of how we want to write. You know, I'm, I'm as you were talking, Gina, and I'm, I'm kind of throwing this on to Melody, because as you're talking about spring and you're talking about structure, you know, the thing that immediately hit me was a garden because, you know, if you just wander out the door and start throwing seeds everywhere, well, you might get a few of the seeds, maybe. It's it's been done. It's been done. (laughs) Uh, It, you know, that's probably how, you know, agriculture originated. But if you're trying to create a certain, type of garden or if you're trying to create a certain type of experience for that garden or you just want some herbs a herb garden that you can use for the kitchen you don't care how it looks like those are all different types of structures and you have to understand the different ways that those things come together so I was just thinking of in the relation of spring when it's really important to you know you know putting up the trellises and I'm not a gardener y'all I'm winging it Melody Melody I'm going to shoot it over to you because you understand (laughs) surely you understand this analogy that I'm trying to make and can approach it better than I (laughs) it it is a great uh great example actually because and why people hire me because they they (laughs) may even know what they want first they may or may not know what they want maybe they do know what they want they don't know how to get from here to what they want. 
And so with, you know, my experience and my education, uh, I look at the framework, the structure of what we have to work with in their yard and in their garden. And then we can help build what it is, the vision that they want. And I mean, it's a plug for editors because I don't really want to know how to edit. <laughs> I, I highly esteem Gina and others who are good at that. But I don't want to fill my head with that. So it uh, is ditto. Ditto. Good, good to rely on the masters. People that have gone before us have done it before and that say, yeah, that's an interesting idea, but that's not going to work there. Yeah. So I, and it also, but it also brings to another mind, we doesn't mean we shouldn't know anything about it. I'm glad mm. through my uh, discussion with both Gina and Kimbu and others, that I have learned more about the editing process. So I understand it. I can understand when they have a conversation with me. And we should know it well enough to have a general understanding so when we start going off the rails, we can recognize that ourselves, which brings to mind uh, at some phase in the uh, maturation process as writers, not just with our works, that maybe we should start emulating ourselves. Mm. Mm. And the truth. Full circle. All right. Yeah. Okay. Truth in ourselves. And we talked about this a lot when we talked about the seasons of the writing process, the value that you will be as a result of doing your inner work shows up in our outer work in our writing process. If we get stuck in a certain phase on the writing process, it is not at all shocking to find we often get stuck in that phase in our personal lives. Mm. Mm -hmm. mm. I love the idea too that, and I don't know if you explicitly meant to suggest this melody, but this is what I took away from reading in between the lines of what you were saying, the idea of using emulating and mirroring to discover what we don't want to do, oh. what oh. doesn't feel right for us, because that's part of the learning process too, right? Yeah, we're trying to build skills, but we also want to be familiar with what it is that we don't want to have in our writing. Yeah, it's an important early phase, because when the first mm -hmm. time someone asked me, what do you want? I was just dumbstruck. And my response was, <laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with anything? <laughs> because I had no idea what I want. And I felt like I was not in control of my life enough that what I wanted mattered anyway. But I came to see through my inner work. Let me back up a little bit. I was starting, I was getting very clear on what I did not want. Mm -hmm. And that was a helpful first step for me because you can eliminate a lot of things if you know what you don't want. Yes. And you can get closer to the truth of getting what it is you do want. 
And that's boundaries again. You know, that's mm-hmm. creating your own self-imposed boundaries because you know, I don't want that in between the lines. <laughs> you know, I don't want that in my life. I don't want that in my writing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's all an element of the maturation process, not just age-wise, but as artists, you know, because when you start out, you want to do the thing that your favorite artist or your favorite writer does, mm-hmm. right? And, uh, and, and then you eventually come to realize, well, no, you kind of want to do something like that, but you want to do it on your own or you want to do it your own way. So yeah, definitely, definitely part of the whole process there. And, and I mentioned in the last episode too, that, that getting stuck in the emulating and mirroring stage, uh, can become over time, very dissatisfying. And if we don't acknowledge what's happening, and move on to the next stage, which I'm going to touch on here in a minute, then we might actually loop back into the carrying inner disquiet, where mm. we're in the phase mm-hmm. of not writing, of having this thing that really wants to come out, but not giving it an access point to do that. And so we carry around this thing that starts to feel like a burden inside of us that we're just not letting out. And that's where the, the disquiet comes from. If we successfully move through the emulating and mirroring phase, um, just like we move from spring into summer, then we move into the next stage of assessing and acknowledging. And as we'll talk about in our next episode, that is where our creative voice really starts to show up. Uh, This stage is doing a really honest deep dive in looking at what we've learned, what we may still need to learn, uh, recognizing what our growth points are and recognizing where our weaknesses are. So we'll talk about that in episode 24. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm starting exactly. to lose track now. I know, right? Amazing. Amazing. And honestly, that's going to wrap us up. We've covered so much and we've talked about so much and there's so much more. I mean, we always talk about these things and we're like, it's only going to be like a 20 to 25 minute episode. <laughs> it's 30 minutes every time. Like we can't get around it. It's just so interesting, y'all. And we still it. got stuff to say. I know. I, know. I got I know. all these notes. <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate y'all coming in and visiting us um, around the writer's table. We do have the worksheet for these two episodes on our website. So you can download it there. There'll also be a transcript of this episode um, for the page for this episode. You can also catch us on all the main distribution channels, Spotify, uh, Stitcher, uh, Google podcasts, wherever they are, please leave us a review or a rating thumbs up, hearts, whatever people are using these days. We will also have including um, some resource links, both in the show notes, and there will also be some links on the worksheets, get you back to prior episodes, get you um, prior worksheets that we've been working on for the creativity quest. All of that's going to be available for you. Uh, We do appreciate you listening. We have a spot for you to make a comment on our website for the episode then uh, webpage, visit that, give us a comment, let us know what you like, what you might want covered. We really appreciate it. And I guess we're going to be seeing you next time because we've got more to talk about. Thank you all. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for joining us around the writer's table. Please feel free to suggest a topic or a guest by emailing info at aroundtheridertstable.com. 
Music provided with gracious permission by Langtree. A link to their music is on our homepage at AroundTheWritersTable.com. Everyone here around the writer's table wishes you joy in your writing and everyday grace in your living. Take care until next time.